Daddy's Weird, the Gay Dad Podcast with Alex Megan and Young Daniel. Hello and welcome to season three of Daddy Squared, the Gay Dads podcast. I'm Alex, and I'm Jan. And how was your hiatus, Alex? I don't know. We spent it together. I think you probably know. Actually, it was it was a barren wasteland. Not not doing the podcast is so sad for yeah, me. Yeah, we're very sad. It. I'm very happy to be back. It's great, even though it's winter, and you know, I'm sad. Yeah, he has seasonal, seasonal bloody bloody disorder. Yeah, he doesn't like when it rains. <laughs> Season three, there's a slight change in the format. We brought help, so <laughs> I... it's so difficult to get good help these days. <laughs> so we have co-hosts this season, and uh, today we're joined by Braden. Hi. Hi. How are you guys? Good. So Braden Sanford is a blogger and a father of four and a stay-at-home dad, right? I am. I ran a medical tech company for 10 years and quit the day my son was born to raise him. Wow. And then you had triplets, which is basically why you're here. Because he's desperately getting away from the house <laughs> to do the podcast. <laughs> triplets, yes. Uh, quite the surprise. We went for one more and we couldn't decide whether we wanted a boy or a girl. And so my husband really wanted a girl, and neither one of us has sisters, so I wasn't really sure that we were equipped to have a girl, so I'm like, let's just play it safe and have another boy. So we decided to put a male and female embryo in, and 0.04% chance they both took and one split. So I have identical girls, and they're a triplet brother. Just a minute. 0.04% chance they'd both take. That's not right. It's and no, one and, split. and one split. Oh, and one would split. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you hit the lottery there, didn't hit you? That, hit that lottery, yeah. <laughs> we, we found out in the ultrasound, and it was, we'd been through this before, so you see one circle and one white light, and we're like, okay, one took, we'll wait a few weeks and see what the sex is, but then the doctor moved the ultrasound wand around a little bit, and there was another circle and two white lights, and my jaw just dropped. Wow. And I looked at our surrogate, and she goes, did it split? <laughs> I have to tell you that I'm wearing an Apple Watch. Apple, who do not sponsor us, but could. Um, I'm wearing an Apple Watch, and I'm not making this up. As you were describing what happened, my watch vibrated, and it told me to breathe, which it does <laughs> when your heart rate goes up. So <laughs> it's very stressful just to hear that story, let alone to live it. Yeah, I needed that while I was watching the monitor that wow. day. Wow. How is your holidays going, guys? Well, I will tell you that though Jewish, uh, every year I crank up a Mariah Carey's Christmas. Um, I can't remember what track. And she's number one this week. Yay, finally. I don't really care. But she has uh, What a Wonderful Child track. I want to say it's like track four or something like that. Where she just goes goes nuts on just the the word Jesus over and over again. And I will say that I kind of lose it there for a minute because it's really good stuff. That's what you do at Hanukkah? That's what I do on Hanukkah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I will say this, and I really mean it. There is something really powerful about the idea that you have a family at this time of the year. I think that there's a lot of loneliness this time of year amongst so many people, especially in the gay community. And I'm very thankful for the family that I have around me and would love to spend time and uh, subject other people who are single or don't have children to my children during this time of the year. Come on over. You're very generous. Yeah. 
Brayden, do you uh, celebrate Christmas, right? I celebrate Christmas, yes. My family has been in town um, for <laughs> quite some time now, and my husband's family is not too far away. They're about an hour away, so we get both the families all together. Do you together. do the full thing, like deck the halls with boughs the of holly and all that? full thing. My house has like a five-foot-tall nutcracker that moves and snowmen everywhere and a 12-foot Christmas tree. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, we go all out. Wow. <laughs> well, the thing this year, it's the first time the triplets are completely running around, and we put the tree up, and I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. There's ornaments there, so we had to go back and completely redo the tree and take anything remotely breakable from the bottom and put it towards the top of the tree and put like all the soft things at the bottom that I don't even really like. Hang pacifiers from yeah. the bottom of the tree. So it's it's not not the prettiest tree this year, but it's it's functional. That is clear. We decided uh, to step into the third season with optimism, so we're going to talk about positivity and um, how to raise a positive child. And uh, we brought in Scott Cruz. Scott is a coach, but he's also a medium. I don't know, maybe if you guys are watching Real Housewives of whatever, he was probably in that. He was actually on the on Real the show. show. Yeah, he was on the show. But then he, he stepped away from it, and then uh, he started this coaching business, and uh, he's relying save, to, on... To save his very soul. And this is why we brought him here. He preaches a lot about positivity, and we wanted to hear the parenting angle of it. He definitely had a lot of good advice. There were things that he said where you're just kind of like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Well, yeah. you didn't think it made as much sense as I did <laughs> no, no, some I, of them. I liked Scott. I thought that Scott was, um, he's uh, he has some some very challenging things to say. He, uh, I don't agree with him on a few things, which is delightful because, you know, I have felt <laughs> in previous episodes that there's been entirely too much agreement on this podcast, so that's cool. Um, but, but he's a very compelling, uh, he has a lot of compelling ideas. Um, he uh, curses well in Italian, which is important to me as well. I, I was sure it's Arabic. Like, I don't know, you guys judge. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Arabic. Uh, no. no. Um, I did like a lot of his message, and I thought it was a really uh, great interview to start the season. Are you a spiritual person? I am. Yeah. I am. We, go to tr- we actually yeah. just got the kids baptized Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, we both grew up Catholic. Marcus was a Eucharistic minister in college. Wow. So I'm wow. going to just leave that one right Sweet. there. <laughs> and no, my it's a really interesting story, and we'll get into it at some time, but my father switched us from being Catholic, which I grew up Italian Catholic with my mom going to church. He never went to a Christian church when I was like 12, 13. He made Christian me means what? I'm sorry. Like non-denominational oh, I Christian. Born, okay. born again is probably what you're most Got used it. to hearing. Got it. Um, switched me over and then made my brother start coming too, who's about 10 years younger, and then eventually got my mom on board. Um, so that was, that's a whole wow. other story. But <laughs> we ended up baptizing the kids Catholic and had a wonderful Catholic church and wonderful priest who was willing and able to do it. That's great. Good. So uh, we're going to start with the interview right now. But uh, before that, we have a new sponsor this season. Daddy Squared, the Gay Dads podcast season three is sponsored by Love is Family by ORM Fertility, your gateway to fatherhood. Learning begins at loveisfamily.com. Loveisfamily.com. Thank you so much for supporting us this season. And um, let's go to the interview. Good morning, Scott. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? 
Um, I'm good. We're here to talk about uh, positivity. And sure. uh, I have to start by asking, are you a positive person? Do you consider yourself as It's one? not that black and white. <laughs> All right. Uh, now, the thing I think a lot of people misunderstand about positivity and negativity, they think that positivity is the ultimate, I would say, level to strive for. When, to me, it really isn't about positivity or negativity. It's about preference. So when we focus on our preferences in life, they end up being positive because we're positive beings. But uh, really, positivity and negativity is subjective. Now, a lot of us collectively share the same ideas about positivity. For example, loving people and accepting people for who they are. That's something we share. But there's so many different aspects of positivity that we all disagree on. So it becomes more of a judgmental game with being yeah. positive. So what's an example of something like that? So being judgmental with positivity? Uh, no, no. How, how do, uh, an example of a situation where you think something is positive and I don't. Well, it's kind of what we said about the homophobes, right, before. Those who think homophobia is a positive thing, that we're, they're saving lives for God because of homosexuality is a sin. Um, so that's positive to them, or some people kill in the name of their God, right. um, and they think that's positive. To us, it's extremely negative, mm-hmm. but that's an extreme aspect. But if we start getting to nitty-gritty pop about positive, Positivity. Everyone's going to say, "Well, you shouldn't have tattoos because you're a positive person." That's defaming your body. I'm like, "Well, I think that's expression." It's a little too late so. for that. This is an audio podcast, <laughs> but just for everyone to know, they're all over him. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and to me, expression is a positive state of spiritual consciousness and, and self love and appreciation. We just choose to express that very differently. So, I would say when people focus too much about positivity, it becomes very judgmental. So, I would say if we focus on our own personal preferences, you'll just end up being naturally positive. I think that a lot of uh, parents are afraid of the negativity, of the negative thoughts, sure. of, and try... You can't stop that, though. Those negative thoughts will always be there. It's, it's about teaching how to, how to use them to create positive experiences. So well, how do you... I mean, what so, for example, if someone has a, an issue, we'll talk about self-worth or self-confidence. Say yeah. if a child is not confident in what they're doing and they really love, say, for example, creating art, but they're not confident because they're comparing themselves to others. Now, that's a negative thought, but that actually comparison of what they're doing and could be more of an inspiration to them to build their art stronger or to be right. more inspired. So they can take that negative feeling not good about themselves to push them further. So a lot of people will kind of try to nurture that negative feeling and say, it's okay you'll find something versus allowing it to push them. So those, those negative experiences, negative challenges could just be more of a self-defining experience. Mm-hmm. So too many people try to run away from it or try to numb it or pacify it. And that doesn't, that prevents growth. Mm-hmm. I, so. I guess, I guess for me, if I'm trying to um, arrive at some kind of a definition or a, 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 a way of, of applying this to my kids, um, negativity, based on just what you just said, negativity mm-hmm. and positivity are they're subjective. They have right. their both of them have their value, mm-hmm. etc. But what about the terms um, optimism and pessimism? I think in the long run, optimism is much better. There's no reason to be pessimistic about something because things are going to be thrown your way in life. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. let's just try to stay positive and, and look on the bright side. And right. hopefully the kids get that type of an attitude instead. I think we all have seen pessimistic people and they're not somebody you want to hang around later in life. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, and the, of course, the argument can be made, well, pessimism is ways of preparing for potential disaster, etc. So there's an argument to be said that if you're too optimistic, you miss out on the caution that might help you in life. Well, but to me, it depends on perspective, though. The broader the perspective, the more view you're going to have about life experiences in themselves. So I, I think that, you know, people are pessimists, just see things in a negative light. 
right? And those who are optimists definitely are creating their reality in a way they, they focus on what is preferable to them, like I said before, the preferences. So I think that's just what optimism really is, focusing on your preferences and knowing that you're going to obtain your preferences and your goals in life. So I'm a pessimistic person. I wasn't, I wasn't, oh, I wasn't going to say it. This would be very fun. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but it's, 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 it's true. Uh, in a way, Alex and I complete each other because he's very optimistic <laughs> and I'm very pessimistic. And as a pessimistic person, I can tell you I hate this part of me. Now, there are negative... Well, that's what a pessimist is, hate. <laughs> there are negative... That's a good one. There are negative habits that... Uh, construct this idea that I have about myself that I'm pessimistic, that I'm terrified that I'm going to transfer to my kids. Well, you have to first identify you actually have a fear of succeeding, obviously, because if you succeed, that then you'll fail. So you have to deal with what happens if I fail, if I succeeded. You have to deal with that. Mm -hmm. That's why you keep yourself comfortable in pessimism. Okay. It's like, well, it's already done. I prepared myself a failure, so here it is. So, so, so basically, that sounds a, really familiar <laughs> to me. So in other words, you're saying that... Uh, that it has nothing to do with with the kids. I mean, it's, it, no. it has nothing to do with what the kids are perceiving. Well, the because kids, I'm afraid. Well, here's what's going to happen: if your kids have their own point of view and they're not pessimistic, just they're just going to resist you. Meaning okay. that the older they get, they're not going to want to confide. They're going to go to him, and right. you'll be like, well, I, "They don't want anything to do with me. Why is that?" Because like, they don't like your pessimistic energy. Well, you're okay. suggesting. Hold on, now you're suggesting that um, that. Uh, Optimism and pessimism cannot actually be instilled in a child by their parent, and I, I have to seen a certain degree evidence to, to certain, the contrary. But to a certain degree, like it's both. It can be, and also cannot be. So, for example, there are many children who live in very negative households and very, very negative uh, teachings, and they resist that because they don't feel that, and so they go a different realm. They either, you know, resisting their parents or the case, or some are influenced by that and do become that, you know. But if you have a, a mixture of the two, and say you have a child whose their their inner being is very optimistic, they're going to resist you. Right. They're just not going to go, go to you. They'll go to him, especially as they get older. They won't connect with you. Do you believe it's not? Um Biological? Biological? No. The, the fact that if it's my child, no, they can it be? No. It's, it's not inherited. It's behavior. It's belief structure and belief systems that get inherited. It's, it's a pattern. Look, I'm just going to say, I, I have to tell you, I would have <laughs> totally agreed with you 4.1 years ago. Mm -hmm. What I have discovered is that every single category of being that you think has no biological basis has some. I am amazed at the extent to which biology plays a role in sense of humor and um, preferred food and you know why? Uh, pessimism and optimism and everything else. You know why though? Because, why because the, the human brain between one and seven is in a theta state, highly susceptible to programming. Yeah. So if they're an infant... And they're observing, say, you're from afar, they're in their crib, and they're hearing you're joking, laughing. Yeah. They can absorb that. Their brain will process that type of behavior. Aha, except. And program it. Yeah. Except in our interesting situation, our, our family, our, uh, our household sure. is a science experiment. Yeah. Um, slash like <laughs> Frankenstein's laboratory. Um, because um, we have IVF. We cloned ourselves. We, we have yeah. IVF twins. Mm -hmm. um, they have the same biological mother. Sure. Um, and they, one of them is biologically uh, mine, and the the other is biologically Jan's, um, and right spent nine months in the same womb. Came out, spent you know four years with us, mm -hmm. uh, doing all of the same things, and yet it is remarkable how much emotionally and in personality and in so many other aspects these kids represent um, commonalities. Mm -hmm. 
with me mm-hmm. if it's the one that's biologically mine mm-hmm. and with this guy if it's the one that's biologically his. And mm-hmm. so I have been shocked at how sure. much of it ends up being biological. It's amazing. Now, yeah. it's obviously not all, but there is a fair well, amount of it. Well, you're right. You're right because it's all true. But the reason why that happens and occurs is because consciousness creates reality in my perspective. So whatever you're focused on becomes your, your manifestation, especially the children that are raised by you and influenced by you. It's going to manifest to that result because there is that connection. So to me, it's always a non-physical creating the physical. So we can say it's biology. Yes, we'll have that evidence. But to me, what's initially creating that is the human belief and the consciousness of, of focus conscious. Yes. So you have what? 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 Just I was if, waiting for. Yeah. This. What? Uh, tell us. Tell us your situation so that we can. Uh, uh, so play I have that a three-year-old son. Yeah. And then I have triplets that are just turned nineteen months old. Okay. They're identical girls, and then their triplet brother. So okay. I have. Two identical kids, two girls, two boys. Wow, that's awesome. All within 20 months of each other. So <laughs> wow, I have that's a amazing. Whole lot of comparison to do. Right. And they are all completely different. Mm. And what fascinates me most is the identical girls are barely ever separated. They, like you said, they grew up in the same womb. Right. They've never left each other's side. They have the same biological makeup, and they'll even smile different. It's just mm-hmm. the way their soul is animating their body right. and the way that they're. Their different emotions animate mm-hmm. their face. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. completely different, even though they have the same physical structure. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's Jeez. it's fascinating yeah. to me. Yeah, I always say biology is like your skin color, hair color, that stuff. I would, the, the personality, the persona, the conscious of soul is just influence. We're all connected anyway, spiritually. So when we incarnate, we're going to have those same type of parameters. Now you're not you're not going to push me uh, over the line <laughs> on this one. No, I mean, l- listen, it's 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 completely fine, and I'm the last person. But you're correct, though. You're actually correct. It's just my, what my perspective is that when we choose to incarnate as consciousness, we have a parameters of limitation and skill sets that we wish to experience in life. So we incarnate in those conditions those parameters so to me it's that's what's kind of creating meshing the 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 biology per se not so much the it's just the physical i'm yeah. seeing it from a spiritual perspective last thing i want to believe is that that if our if if a, you so your know, kids chose you basically because of your because of your assets um <laughs> that's, that's what i tell and them. limitations god knows they're spending all of our assets but um <laughs> but but uh but i'll i'll say that uh, certainly i don't want to believe that they're born with a certain positivity or negativity and and we're stuck with that because that would suck uh i want my children to be able to learn and grow and, exactly. and adapt, you know, their personalities. And so exactly. when we start to see in our child a tendency to be pessimistic, what are some of the tricks that we can pull to expose them to a different way, a different perspective, a different way of looking at these scenarios? Can, maybe we should give them a... Uh, like an example? I have to have an example because I couldn't I come do. up with any. I have Actually, a perfect example oh, if you wait. want one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going young. Sure, so yeah. with sure. the 19-month-olds, yeah. the girls are fantastic and yeah. positive and mm-hmm. just – they don't cry. Sure. The boy, and he's the one of four that does mm-hmm. this, he is just always ready to be upset. Mm-hmm. He's already always ready to whine, mm-hmm. always ready to have his feelings hurt sure, sure. all the time. Sure. And I still, to this day, just – don't know how to deal with it. Well, that's the thing. It's, I, a lot of people say how to deal with it. I don't think you deal with it. You amplify what it is. So, for example, those who cry for that attention, uh, even though they're young, I, my advice always is to my clients, always ask them what their perspective is on everything. If you make them dinner, do you like the dinner? Do you like the breakfast? How did, how did you feel? What did you think about it? And if they didn't like it, oh, yeah, well, why didn't you like it? You give them the platform to be able to express their opinion and make sure it's valid. 
but you also let them know that not everyone's going to agree with it either. Because they can say, well, I don't want this. Well, we're having it, but thanks for your opinion. It's kind of training them to be able to express their opinion because if they're not, it's going to get bottled up inside. And if they see others expressing themselves, they're not going to fit in. And so what happens is then they're going to just throw a tantrum to get some sort of attention, as you know. So I would say feed that attention daily through your, mo your routine and always ask them if you're watching a TV show together. What do you think about the TV show? Do you like the story? What do you think the story is about? Challenging that brain. Eventually they'll get sick of it. Because they'll be like, all right, I can express what I feel. I don't care. Who cares anymore? And then they'll start becoming in their own, I would say, comfortable state of their their well-being, of their own being. And they wouldn't necessarily need that external validation. Gotcha. So I think with him is because there's so many of the female energy. I'm sure he's probably feeling, like, how do I express myself? And I feel like I'm a certain way. And he's learning that. And I think that if you kind of treat him as an individual, I think that will help more. Instead of focusing on, of course, that he might be restricted with his perspective. So you think that uh, creating a, what's the word, creating an, an open environment for receiving these kinds of energies is actually a step in the direction of improving that? Well, it's kind of like you'd understand this. Instead of, instead of treating the behavior, you find this, the, the cause of the behavior, right? And so if someone feels like they can't express themselves or it needs this kind of attention tantrums, we've got to find out well, what attention they feel like they're not getting. Because we tend to think that as, well, they don't they need constantly attention, so if I give them more attention, they're going to be an attention whore. I'm like, no, it's like they need the proper type of attention that they're seeking. So in his case, I think his son needs more of that opinion, you know, uh, grabbing. What do you think about this? How do you feel? He needs to kind of develop his own unique perspective and realize it's wanted to be heard. It wants to be respected, but at the same time, the only person that really can respect it is himself. That's kind of how you would teach that, in my opinion. Well, yeah, except that, that sometimes... A kid is trying to – two children are trying to achieve exactly the same thing sure. in different ways. Sure. One way, which is manageable to adults around sure. them, um, and the other way, which is not. And mm -hmm. later in life, of course, that can be amplified a thousand times in really, really dangerous and negative mm – -hmm. you know, very negative ways. So I guess what I'm saying – is when one of my kids needs attention and um, asks for it by asking for it, um, and the other needs attention and asks for it by l losing his mind, mm -hmm, yeah. right? Um, I, I feel like it's important for me to be able to address the the um, the conduct and say, "Hey, look, that this way." Um, may achieve getting attention, but we don't want you to do it that way. Yeah, I mean, I think that that you want to paint the big picture, of course, but we always want to get to the root of the cause first. Like, for example, my brother's complete dichotomy to me. He's in prison, right? And he's going to be spending his life in prison, basically. But the issue was my parents uh, raised us fairly, meaning we had the same upbringing. So it didn't work for him. Mm -hmm. It worked for me, but they didn't treat him individually. So what they was, tend to do as he was growing up and getting older and why the, he didn't change or resist them is that you know, they just kept trying to pacify his behavior. Right. It didn't work. Mm -hmm. I, have, I have a question about like going back a little bit. Uh, you said, um, I mean, from what I understood that in order to take care well of our kids, we should work on ourselves and not like it has nothing to do with them. So if I don't want to. Um, well, they're reflections of you. Yeah. Okay. Like you're going to learn from them absolutely by their oh. behaviors can reflect whatever. Oh, I see what you mean. Yes, yeah. and it happens actually. But I think that there are like there's negative habits that I have sure. that um, I don't want to uh, transfer to my kids. Okay. And, and you said that 
I should work on it and, you know. Well, I, people try to fight the behavior again. And I think we're, that just amplifies the behavior. You, like we said before, you fearing if you things become successful, if they fail, you, you, want, you want to risk avoiding the, the, the failure feeling. So you just think everything's shit. So right. if everything's just crap, excuse me, I don't know if you curse yeah. on it. You if everything, curse, if curse all you if want. Everything's fucking crap. That's <laughs> if everything's shit, then you're just like, well, I'm just used to it. Yeah. And so we're saying if you work on that, saying, you know what? If I'm used to feeling like shit, then feeling good and being successful, I already know it's like to feel like crap. I can deal with it then. So mm -hmm. why keep myself in that constant loop? If you work on that within yourself, you're letting your children understand that being defeated is not even an option. Being just being failure or, or experiencing failure is just a growth experience, not a end result. Mm -hmm. And so we show so much disdain to what we don't want that we focus on it continuously mm -hmm. and say, how do I get rid of it? It's like, that's a manifestation. we got to focus on, if we understand that your focus manifests a thought, which manifests emotion. If we don't like the emotion, we got to go back to the source, which is your focus and whatever belief structure you have about whatever you're experiencing needs to be changed or altered to support mm -hmm. the emotion you wish to have. So, you know, I come just a little bit about me. Why? What's, what's this kid know about? You know, yeah. parent. I was abused, molested. You know, molested as a child through a family member. I was being gay. Performed exorcism on the church. I've witnessed a lot through my own experiences, and also through poor parenting and poor guidance. And so, I had to fend for myself my whole life. You know, I battled with suicide because of if I'm going to hell, let's just go there now. Why drag yeah. this shit out? So I've been through all that. I've been through, you know, of course, very abusive relationships because of the fact of being abused. So I've learned so much through that process and through experiencing, seeing children going through similar things that I was able to kind of spiritually see why these things occur, what makes me become strong. And I look at the values that were instilled upon me that were able to carry me through and be strong and looking at the contrast of my brother. So it's through my own personal experiences. I'm like, I can see what the formula is and what people just do in general. They do something they don't like, and so they just continue to beat themselves up for it without saying, it's all right. You know, I told someone to go fuck themselves. Okay, no big deal. Why am I getting agitated so easily? Right. And then you find the real solution and you change the solution. Then the behavior changes. So what I, for your perspective, answer your question initially is you want to tell your children it's not about what you do wrong or do good. It's about are you growing from the experiences, allowing yourself to grow from them. Mm -hmm. This way they walk through life without judgment. The kind of message that you're talking about, uh, which I embrace, mm -hmm. um, I have found it incredibly difficult to communicate it to communicate ideas mm -hmm. like that when the kid is six months old or a year old. Yeah, you don't have to. Well, except I guess the thing I'm questioning is this: Are you laying the groundwork? I, I believe you are laying the groundwork for things like positivity and negativity in your own life. Yes. Well, right, and in the way you interact with your kid. Mm -hmm in the first month or two months or six months of their lives. And so what I have found so difficult is communicating to them when you couldn't do it the way we're doing it right now in the podcast. That has been really hard. How do you communicate optimism and positivity to a, a six-month-old sure. baby By who your, doesn't understand what right, the fuck but, you're talking so, about. But Like I said before, between one and seven, the, the, our brain, the human brain's in theta state, which means the child is observing. Mm -hmm. Purely observing. So again, language, words don't mean anything, but in a context you are correct because the words are a reflection of your energy, obviously, and, and your intention. So for example, say you have a, a th uh, three-month-old in the crib, and you guys are constantly in disdain of each other. They're going to feel that energy of right. disconnection. And all I have to do is just sit in the crib while you guys are talking about whatever 
nonsense. Right. But if you're aware of working through your nonsense, and even if you're showing disdain toward each other, but then you resolve it and they see a resolve, they're going to pick up on resolution. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's not the argument that's a problem. It's the fact that they've resolved it, and they're back on the same page. Teamwork. That's what they'll learn. Well, so that's, that's actually super interesting mm-hmm. because everyone's telling us, be positive, be positive around your kids. They need to be around positive mm-hmm. energy. And True. even my brother-in-law recently was like, if yeah. you're going to be in a bad mood or anything, we, I don't want you around my wife. Mm-hmm. I don't want you around my kid. Really? But Okay, go on. <laughs> we'll talk, about that we'll talk to your brother. <laughs> um, brother-in-law, yes. Brother-in-law. <laughs> anyway, what you just said is it's okay for them to be around yeah. the negative energy yeah. as long as they see how you turn it. Right, the resolve. Like, it's like there's arguments, you're going to argue. I think they're going to argue at some point in their life. You know, you wouldn't want them to run away from that and not be able to approach things head on. I mean, so no, yeah, this, the sheltering mentality, I think, is the, the, the demon. I actually think that's really good shit. Mm-hmm. You just said. This is good shit. <laughs> <laughs> that was good shit. You know, I went home afterwards and that was the first thing that I brought up with my husband. I'm like, you know, we made this pact that we would try. This was before we had any of our kids. We have not held up this pact. Yeah. We would try to only argue behind closed doors. Right. So we would always present a unified front, which is another topic, and we would not fight in front of the kids or yell. We would wait until they went to bed or took a nap, and then we would have our conversation behind closed doors. That has not happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and I still, a lot of it gets blamed on me. But when he said this, I'm like, oh, that's that makes so much sense, and that's mm-hmm. fantastic for me because for the kids to see it happen but then to see a resolution teaches them much more than just sheltering them, as he said, right, and not letting them participate in the cause, the effect, the resolution afterwards. Yeah. I don't believe in, uh, like, not in front of the kids. I mean, no, I, I don't. But I don't think we could have pulled it off PG-13. anyway. Um, yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, look, I, I, I'll tell you in our relationship, mine. This is Alex. Between <laughs> seriously, <laughs> is it? Help from my roommates. In our relationship, I think that I am generally much more the optimist and the positive person, and you are much more the negative and pessimistic voice. And what I think is. Actually, sad. Yeah, a little sad, especially in winter when it's cold. Yeah. But anyway, uh, in Los Angeles. But anyway, uh, I actually have found that there's a value in both of these um, voices in to our kids, and I I wouldn't want to clean it up so that we're we're only Pollyanna about everything and everything is positive. They're going to experience these things uh, amongst other people and in themselves. And the way we deal with it, as he said, as Scott said, you know, the way we deal with it, the way we approach it is uh, the really powerful message. So the fact that they get to see it between the two of us is actually a really good thing. And I'm, I'm happy that it works that way. It's important for me to kind of clarify that uh, Scott is coming from a mediumship perspective. So if uh, if you guys don't believe like Alex of uh, something that we're going to hear in the further on in the in the episode, the past and the future does not exist, right? You commented on this this morning when we talked about Well, it. I don't I, I agree with him in the Einsteinian sense of it, but not so much in the I don't know the other sense. So I listen a lot to Esther Hicks. I don't know. Do you know her? No. So Esther Hicks is a spiritual speaker. How would you describe her, Alex? Spiritual yeah, speaker, speaker self help guru type of person. And yeah. she talks a lot about the afterlife and, you know, the relationship between the physical and the non physical. And it's all about perception of of our world 
And I think that Scott's way of looking at things, it's kind of similar. So if you guys are not into these things, you might not have uh, agree with him. I, I don't agree because, you know, as I said before we started the interview, so often religion, self-help, 12-step um, programs, uh, some of the stuff that we do in psychology psychology, some of the stuff we do in the corporate world, what's interesting is the packaging is so different, the message is often so similar. And so while I may not agree with a lot of the packaging that Scott had around what he was saying, the core message, the the imperatives, the thing that the things that you should do, uh, I embrace them completely. And and I think that that's that's really important. You know, we can we can look at the messages that come from so many different sources and find common commonalities between them and and that's a beautiful thing okay so let's go back to the interview in the second part of the interview we're talking about trying to protect our kids from pain that we've experienced in the in the past as kids so as a pessimistic person representative wow. do you say mystic <laughs> pessimistic. Oh, pessimist he's a mystic pessimist as a pessimistic person pessimistic. Um, my biggest fear is that the oh, it's the biggest one. So yeah, you, the biggest you get fear. hierarchies to your fears. Yeah, the, oh, yes. oh, okay. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so my biggest fear for my kids is that the past will rep replay itself and things that happened to me, like, you know, I was bullied as a gay Kid, so, so yeah, right. But d d you have to understand the the, the past and pr the future is non-existent. So I'm it's afraid. I'm, I don't want my kids to experience. Me, bad, I know. I understand bad. that. But what I'm saying to you is that the fact of if the past, you're afraid of the past repeating. That means you're feeling the fear now because you are repeating it. You're repeating it yeah. now. So the fear is a manifestation that you actually are repeating it through your own fear of it. Right. So you have to find a way to you know settle your own conscious, your own psychological perspective about the matter being bullied. I was mm -hmm. by empowering them to stand up for what is true by also uh, instilling upon them that their own personal perspective is like we said before is very valuable. So if my kid comes home, I mean not now but later, uh, every kid will says, come home. Someone says, bullied them. You know, yeah, somebody bullied mm -hmm. me because I'm fat or mm -hmm. I'm, you know, whatever. What? And, well, what, what do you think? What do you think is the proper response to say to that? I mean, I'll, oh, they don't hear me chewing gum. I hate that. <laughs> I'm chewing. Sorry. I'll. I don't know. I'll just talk to. Him. I, first of all, I'll tell him my story and tell him how. I, I wouldn't tell him your story at all. No, because that's repeating your past. Why is okay. your past relevant? You want to take your story and what you didn't do in your past and instill upon your child, and to stand well, up for what he believes in, and to not necessarily engage in physical fighting. Well, I did. I I stood up. I mean, I didn't stood up for being gay, but I stood up. I, I was bullied for liking Kylie mm -hmm. Minogue as mm -hmm. a kid. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it was considered a, <laughs> a gay thing. I think I'm, that might yeah, still exist. <laughs> and. I didn't care. I just kept showing up at school with uh, notebooks. With, so then, what's your with, but what's your fear then? If you didn't care and it didn't affect you, it was still it still hurts. You did care. It bullshit. hurts. I call I mean, bullshit. Yeah. When you go and buy and you were like a, a ten year old and you go to buy a, a Kylie Minogue record in the record store. And the, what if you didn't? The people care? laugh at you for but that. What if it's, you didn't care though? I I probably would have much if you didn't care you interaction with uh, I'm saying if you didn't society. care if you didn't care you wouldn't have any pain you wouldn't have any you know I would say any contempt to any of those experiences the fact right. is that you care but the reason is why do you care because some of those people were you, you were not settled in your own value obviously so yeah. these people were kind of giving you instilling upon you your value to a degree so that's why they affected you mm -hmm. so what you want to do with your children is say no matter what they like that is very valuable no matter who likes it or not so that's how you kind of change the past right and instead of fearing that they excuse me instead of fearing that they might come across someone who hates them 
Yeah. That's life. Who cares? The things you want to tell. Well, what do you do if someone hates you? What do you do if someone it doesn't agree with you? Bafanculo. No one cares. We're you know, have to no do one explicit cares. lyrics for that one. <laughs> um, it's a time for fuck off. Uh, we understand. <laughs> I think it's kind of international. <laughs> yes. Yes. By the way, my my children, if you say the F word in another city, <laughs> they can hear it and they, they say, um, you know what? I, I think that for me, one of the challenges is it's really easy in um, in hindsight to uh, look at the things that I experienced and say, God, how absurd, how silly, mm. how it doesn't, you know, kid, one day you're going to look at this and laugh. It's a nice thing to say. It's very possible mm. my mom said it to me. My mother was extremely supportive. So was my father. But the thing is, that's not how the kid feels now. You, and and you, you nailed it right there. Now. Yeah. Everyone's so focused on the past and not doing the future that they're not being present. Well, right, but here's the thing. Now is if, important. If the kid is now being made fun of in a yes. really cruel and nasty way, mm-hmm. I can look back at it and say, sure. you know, you are you, you're, you are the bomb, you shouldn't worry about this. Except except every child who gets tortured that way is, is traumatized by it, and I would hate to try to just kind of wave my hand at it and say, say it's nothing to be worried about because they do worry about it. Well, I, I mean, can't discount those feelings. Well, it's not about discounting them, but I mean, the whole the whole thing I preach against is pretending like it doesn't exist. Like, that's just not productive. My thing is dealing with it and actually having the resolve for it. So many people, we, we as humans, get so wrapped up in the emotional responses of things. Oh, my God, well, we, we panic. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my God, this is horrible. Instead of saying, okay, well, why... Are they being a target for that type of bullying? Why are they being? Why are they attracting that type of momentum in their life? There must be some sort of crack in their foundation that I need to help them rebuild, because otherwise they'd walk around and you say, "I don't care." Many many people get bullied all the time by somebody. They don't care. I don't give a fuck. I like I like Star Wars, and I don't really care. I like being alone. You know, they develop that type of mindset. So if we focus on what, why there, is there a crack in their foundation that's allowing this bullying to get to them, and at least be attracted to them? Well, then of course this is we say in the animal kingdom too. They smell your prey, right? Right. Yeah. So that's the same thing with victimization in the physical form too. People can smell when someone's vulnerable yeah, to but, attack. But 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 I I couldn't agree with you more. Except I don't know what the formula is to get a child to feel that way. I don't know how you well, do that. Like how I said before, it's by that. building their foundation. It's about constantly understanding that no matter where they're doing, what they're doing in their life doesn't need approval by other people. For example, if they choose to be in their own room creating material, that's good. They can do them be in their own zone. It's teaching them that self-independence. Right. Well, that look, there, there's no doubt that in the combina- in the comparison between uh, me and Jan, yeah. in our childhoods, I was very much um, supported in my weirdness by sure. my parents, and I think that you were not no. supported in your mm. weirdness, and it is true. Yeah, that- but you're a people pleaser. <laughs> no, fuck Hello. people. You're a people pleaser. No. Got that. So, but hold it's on a couples sec- therapy. But, but hold on a second. If you're a people pleaser, yeah. don't you think that the child, if he's any any type of crack in his own foundation, is going to want to seek that approval from others to please them? It comes out in that way, too. So that's going to leave them open to victimization and bullying as a child, too. If they're looking to please people, they're open to that. F- fair enough. I guess. Well, let me just a couple things there. 
when we, a child's getting bullied by a few people, we think it, we, in our mind we act like the whole school is bullying them instead of yeah. teaching them to find their own group of people. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So the whole school is not bullying them. Maybe the whole school might not care or just not might be even seeing it. Right. So what I'm saying is that when we actually focus on changing your own behavior, like I said before, stop people pleasing everybody else. They hear your phone calls. They hear the conversations, and they pick up right. on that that energy as well. And so when you change that within yourself, and then they realize being self-sufficient is actually very pleasurable and, inspi- and very inspirational state to be in, that's how they change the, the core of their foundation to stop allowing the carrying of bullying and, and victimization. Okay. That's okay. how you do it. It's, it's repetition. Uh, it's definitely a uh, – it has to be very consistent. But yeah. we're consistently going against the grain all the time anyway. It's just kind of flipping the momentum on that a little bit. Okay. And by the way, as to specific kids bullying, I'll just have them taken out. (laughs) So little Tony Rosenberg, if you're listening right now, watch your back. Um, Fifty dollars for fifty fifty bucks in phone calls with my family said. Exactly. (laughs) I'm afraid we're gonna have to break your knees now, Tony. You like those toes? Anymore, kill. (laughs) So now what about nightmares? How do you advise to for us to deal with kids' nightmares? Man, what you must, you're living a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it's just this, the subject of the podcast. I know. It's not I just, like this I'm, is all I'm, we I'm, talk I'm about. teasing him I'm, in love because I I want him to make some realizations after this. But yeah. are you talking about in the physical state or the the waking state or the sleeping state? No, no, sleeping, sleeping. sleeping. So what do you classify as a nightmare? So when my kid wakes up and you know and cries and tells me that he dreamt about us being taken away from him, mm-hmm. you know, and so what's your immediate, what's your immediate reaction? Well, that's not true. I mean, it's not. It's not real. Like I try no, to explain I'm just, to him what's a, what's a dream and what's. But you do know, you do you console reality. him the fact that you guys are very much happy together now, because he's yeah. obviously picking up on energies. Yeah. That maybe there's some sort of maybe arguments that you might have that since you guys are not on the same page, and so he's feeling that dichotomy. So it fears him the fact that you guys are going to be split up. It's right. what I'm sensing is the nightmare interpretation. Not so much of him being pulled away. It's the fact that you guys are drifting away. Well, That's why he thinks he's picking up on. And so what I would do in this nightmare, obviously it's about the theme of that, being taken away from you guys. You want to console him saying we're working to family unit. Mm-hmm. And that you guys are very much in tune with each other as well as in tune with the needs of them. So you have to console them that you guys are on par. I'm reading intuitively that he's fearful that you guys are sometimes on, on different ends of the spectrum and not in a very aggressive way or a way that's very you know meaning. But sometimes you guys are in an opposition that I think he's more sensitive to that and feels like – No, he's very, he's very sensitive. That's, but that's, that's where the right. nightmare is manifesting from. Okay. So if you console him that you guys – like you said, the strength is that you guys have different perspectives. That that's what keeps you guys strong and strength, you know, together. That that's building the family. The nightmare would cease. Let's do an easier one: the big bad wolf. That I mean, we got we got to deal with the big bad wolf. I'm not kidding. There are nightmares about the big bad wolf. Okay, so. I had nightmares of being locked in a closet when I was four. Now I know why. Yeah, totally. Okay. That's, that's, we'll we'll do an episode on that one. And then then at 12 years old, I said, you know what? I don't want to be a 40-year-old man living in the closet. And I said, that's where it came from. No, seriously. So, kids afraid of the big bad wolf? The big bad wolf is just an expression of someone, is a, is a psychological manifestation of something getting them that they can't control. But so they, they saw feel, it on TV. I mean, it's something that they Yeah, but they're resonating with that because they feel out of control. Okay. That's all. If a normal kid would see them like, yeah, go kill it. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? But your children are just feeling out of control. So, of course, that representation, that linkage yeah, with that is going to be. Them. Yeah. So what, so what do you tell him? He wakes up. The big bad wolf is Well, you talk to them. Like, did you go get him? Did you find him back? Mm-hmm. You know, what happened? You know, go with the adventure of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
that's because, interesting. Because if you're not going with the adventure of it, they're just everything is they're going to trip that in the real world. Yeah. And if they can't find adventure in real real world circumstances and their own fears, well, yeah. they'll never be able to. They want to be a performer, get on stage and sing their hearts out. So <laughs> I'm just saying, that don't be afraid of imagination. That it's some sort of aloof, made up realm. I, that's the whole point. Life is made up. Mm-hmm. So whatever your child is experiencing with his imagination is is reality. Mm-hmm. You no, just want to make sure they're on par with the collective, though. I, I listen. I actually, I actually think that that um, you know the patience that it takes to draw out um, even like random statements that our kids make that yeah. you know to us make absolutely no sense. Yeah. I have found that when I do have the patience to say. Well, tell me more about that. What do you mean by that? And they go into one of these freaking stories where you're like, okay, I have no idea what's happening here. Nevertheless, it is very powerful because you do start to see the way their minds work. You start to see where they're going and what they were really thinking when the the first words came out. And it does seem very empowering to mm. them that you're you know you're giving them the opportunity to tell their story. Mm. So. I like that, and I certainly think that when they wake up from a, a nightmare or a dream, it would be great to sort of draw the full story out, let them let them go through it, um, and uh, yeah, and, play, and, let's play, and playing with it a little bit too, because obviously it's not an actual physical experience, right, right? That they're bound to, so it's also helping them realize that yeah, dream state is kind of a journey, right? Like so, well, so what would have happened if this happened, and mm-hmm. give them an opportunity. What if to you were? What if you turned into Superman? What right? You, do you were you superhero? Because what that does is is taking the actual fear that created the the dream and turning it to well, I have control over it, right? I yeah. control the story. Yeah, I dig it. Yes, exactly, exactly. I again. dig it. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, yeah. We're well, I, I personally am now perfected as a human being I just, and a parent and ready to go <laughs> forward. My only thing is that um, I'd like to get some tips from you on how to work on ourselves in order to make our kids. We didn't give positive. you enough. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, you know, like uh, as a closure, just. Well, I would understand, remember everything, this is more of a, I would say, a general in life, not just with parenting, is that understanding every experience in your life is reflecting a part of your subconscious. So I, one of my major the quotes that I love saying to my clients is what you react to, you relate to, positive and negative. Mm-hmm. So, and I'll give you a really short story, is that um, I, my patients, I have high patience until I have no patience, right? <laughs> so I, one day I was just very sworn with, with clients and issues and taking care of things and, and just kind of, you know, putting some, so much effort into other people. So I get in my car for lunch and some idiot cuts me off. No, I'm a New Yorker. You can't take the New Yorker out of the New Yorker. So I'm like, you motherfucker, what the fuck are you doing? You ain't considered a piece of shit. Reacted. Now, I didn't go, no, Scott, you're a life coach. You got to be positive. That's so <laughs> bad to do. Why would you do that? That's, I just, no, I go with it. But then I said, damn, you reacted. Hmm. And I said, what triggered you about that? I hate the word triggered, by the way. But what made you upset? And I said, well, they're inconsiderate. And so I knew, I said, if, if someone who's inconsiderate is making, setting me off, what, I said to myself, are you being inconsiderate to others? And I said, oh, hell no. I'm always helping people. I'm always extending myself to people. That's not it. So then I asked the final question, are you being inconsiderate to yourself? Ding, 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 ding. Oh, yeah. I'm, my time, my energy, I'm giving it away, right? So I said, you know, I'm changing that momentum today. I'm going to go have lunch in a park, and I'm not going to think about anything else I have to do. Just reshift my energy, and I did. And I had a very peaceful afternoon with my lunch and just was able to exhale. And then after that, I went and stopped at the store to get something else. Someone held the, do- held the door open for me. 
Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. And then I'm in line. So I was like, oh, you just have a couple things. You go before me. I'm like, oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. And then I go back to finish my sessions and they're like, oh, I'm so appreciative of your time. Thank you so much. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I just laugh because I knew I changed the course of my reality. I took what set me off and realized what I was doing that was putting that out, mm-hmm. changed the momentum and my whole day changed. Not only did it change my day, it changed my life because now I'm reminded, don't overextend, don't overextend, don't overextend, don't overextend. You got to take care of you. Mm-hmm. So if we learn to process our lives in that fashion, then we realize you're actually you get you're constantly receiving blessings and signs of where you're at. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? And that is ultimately the positivity that we started <laughs> yes. out with. It really is. It That's, really it's is. where I, we started I actually. I yeah. could not agree with you more. I really could not. And so, by the way, I am not um, you know, I've I've been asked by Angelinos. It's fun when Angelinos ask me, um, they say, Are you a spiritual person? I love turning to them and saying, No. Imagine when people ask me that. <laughs> say no, they don't know what to do with themselves. They're like, Oh my God. Because <sighs> you have to be some form of it. And I'm lying when I say no, but it's fun to say it. But I do think that, you know, despite not coming from, um, uh, you know, a worldview that has really. M- any mysticism in it whatsoever because I don't I still utterly embrace what you're talking about mm-hmm. because it's not metaphysical no, it's, it's, not. it's about establishing a, a, a worldview mm-hmm. that allows you to recognize things that are happening but you know what I tell anyway. people you know what I tell people if you when you become mental life becomes metaphysical Meaning that you start seeing, when you start changing, adapting, the because I'm very much teaching my clients how to use their, their brains and their minds. Because we're conscious is controlling the brain and the mind, we're driving this car. So if we understand how to drive it, then you realize life is actually manifesting exactly the way you want to. That's where this spiritual magic can, really comes in. So you don't just go and pray to God and say, oh, humbada humbada, that doesn't work. We have brains that program our experience, and we got we have to work and resolve that. I'm not sure there are any religions that do humbada humbada, but we're going to look into that. <laughs> Thank you guys wait, so be, much. Before, wait, before wait, we go, wait, I, have a, I have a confession. <laughs> I don't know if Scott knows that, but we are, this is like the first episode of the third season of the show. Oh, I love number but, three. <laughs> good. But in, in a way, you're kind of responsible to this podcast to begin with. Why? Because three years ago, uh, I, went, I came to you for a reading. Okay. Like it was over the phone. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that you said is that, why aren't you writing anymore? Mm-hmm. And I didn't write at the time. Mm-hmm. And you said, I mean, it's not you, but somebody that mm-hmm. you read said, you should start writing because you already have the idea mm-hmm. and you know what to do. And mm-hmm. that was the idea mm-hmm. to start this Daddy Squared Good. blog, which turned into a podcast, Good. which is now in its third season. Good. And, um, oh, and I just that. wanted to thank and yeah. fear, And fear didn't get you wanted... there. Fear stopped you from doing it. See what I'm saying? <laughs> so fear is nothing. But turn the fear again into something that's very beneficial for you. Amazing. Good thank stuff. you, Scott. <laughs> good, good job. That was that. a high five for those of you who... <laughs> yeah, it wasn't any cheap butt slapping. It was yeah. actually hand slapping. No, that's after we press stop. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. definitely had these days especially in Los Angeles where somebody cuts you off and you say something and I'm just not that good of a person where I'm like let me stop and think why am I doing this where's my internal motivation it's coming from myself so it's probably the Italian roots you know it is but he has them too and he yeah. he can put himself in check so I admire that I that's do. what he said anyway we don't know <laughs> well he did scream though we don't know how many arrests he has but anyway <laughs> Alex I like the correct diagnosis of us
Yeah, that, that was scary, actually. Yeah, that I'm afraid of succeeding and you're a people pleaser. I'm also afraid of succeeding, though. I have that you're both. more of a people I'm pleaser. I'm a people pleaser. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Daddy, that's QR.com. So by way of segue, of which I have absolutely none, um, we were talking during the break about your stroller situation. Well, I have multiple stroller situations, but the one that we were referring to, we had passed a SoCal Moms event, which I somewhat take offense to because what if there's not a mom? Yeah. Um, so we should maybe change that name, SoCal Moms. <laughs> but I was passing a SoCal Moms event. My mother was in the car with us, and she wanted to pull over and check it out. So we did, and she found this, we call it the bus, this huge shopping cart-shaped thing that is bright orange because she didn't want me to get gray or black so people could see us when we crossed the street. Right, right. And there's two benches that face Because they were going to miss four little kids and a father pushing them. But go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, So this is what I I push around town when (laughs) I have to walk to a swim lesson or something like that, and all four kids can just go nuts in the the shopping cart in the bus. Uh, (laughs) And my favorite question that people ask me, are those all your kids? Right. What are some of the best retorts that you have? I mean, I, I, I can think of a few that would be pretty juicy. What do you got? Oh, no. I mean, you can say, oh, I found these. Right. That's uh, I, good. You know, I picked one up at the neighbor's house. Uh, just look at them. Just <laughs> with this look of puzzlement on your face. like, And yeah. wait until they say something else. That's always really fun to do to people because yep. it makes them slightly uncomfortable. Yep. Um, Just fatherhood. Give me some. I need some better ones. (laughs) I'm I'm running out over it. No, no, I think those are pretty good. Um, Fatherhood in general, I find, results in, especially women. Women will ask you questions. I mean, forget about gay fatherhood. I think it's just the fact that the man has the kids. All the time. The the woman will be like, so she's seen me before with my two kids, and this time I only have one. And she says, where is the other one? And I'm like... I sold him off to pay for this one. Or, like, what? I, they're not glued to each other. They can actually be separated. I like that one. And I, you know, I also, of course, the most common one is, oh, where's mom? Is it mom's day off? Yes, Always. Well, is it can... mom's day off? Are you getting extra points for this? Right. Any of those. And I just look at them. I don't even say anything half the time. <laughs> Any, but, you know, you can hit them with a really decent gay wallop. You know, you can. <laughs> It's all men, woman. You know, you can really have a good time with it. So I wanted to discuss with you something. So I read two days ago, I read something on the Gay Dads group on Facebook, a story that happened to Michael from uh, North Carolina. I'm going to read it to you and tell me what you think. At a very common department store, I realized my little guy needed a change. I asked an associate where I could change him, and I was instructed to knock on the ladies' room and change him on the changing table in there. I knocked, I didn't hear anything, and with great anxiety, because I didn't want to be in the ladies' room, I ran and changed him, probably a total of 45 seconds. This woman later approached me and told me off for taking him in there. She then went and complained to the manager and even threatened to call the police. That's the story. Now, I'm shocked that there are still places where no with no changing tables in the men's room well, it's not it's not a law you're uh, shocked i am because i don't know i see them all the time 
We live in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. yeah. Remember the bubble. Always I, remember we're in the bubble. No. Now, first of all, there is a used, very, very poop-filled diaper that he had access to to provide to her, which would have been my first move. <laughs> Here is my poop-filled diaper um, as an apology. You can fling that at the woman, too. But look, I, in all seriousness, I have to say... The whole bathroom thing, which is, you know, about gay dads, it's also about trans people. I have very, very strong feelings about the bathroom thing, and they may be a little bit unpopular amongst our listeners, which is, oh, for God's sake, just go to whatever fucking bathroom you want, and if somebody complains to the management, flip them the bird. I know, I know, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm being insensitive to the fact that there are some people who are uncomfortable about going to the wrong bathroom, but it sounds like this guy did it. He did what he was supposed to do. Good for him. And if that woman complained, she can have the poop-filled diaper. I really don't see what the problem is. I don't think we should be making laws that force there to be a changing table in every bed. I think we're overdoing it. He did exactly the right thing, and he can just do it again. Well, and on the flip side, I've dealt with this, you know, especially having so many diapers to change (laughs) in Europe. There's no changing tables in most bathrooms, period. Right. Because they're so tiny. So I have learned to change the babies on my lap, like sitting on the toilet myself with my pants on. But <laughs> I can't on even imagine. Wait, on your lap? On my, you have to. You got to do it. And then so here, yeah. you know, I'm from Indiana. We travel. Right. Most places don't. And it's not just for the gay dads. It's for dads that just want to change <laughs> the kid's diaper right, and yeah. give their wives a break. Yep. So I think you just, like you said, you just need to figure it out. If you feel like you have to have a changing table, go in the women's room and be fine with yep. it and make sure there's nobody in there so you don't make them uncomfortable. You know what uh, struck me the most uh, when I emailed with Michael and he told me that it's okay for us to talk about this story, but as long as he's not the villain. I mean, how would they think that he's a villain? I guess. Story? Uh, well, we could Maybe say, it's a cultural thing. How could Michael burst into the ladies' room? There are ladies in there. Look, Michael, uh, I'm going to say it again. I'm with you a thousand percent. I'm sorry that you were made to feel uncomfortable by this ridiculous woman. But but, you know, we I'm speaking for all three of us who are hosting this episode. We are behind you. Go into whatever bathroom you need to go into, because when the kid needs to be changed, the kid needs to be changed. And to any women listening, deal with it. You're behind a door. Nobody's looking at you. We are 1,000% not looking at well, you. Right. Gay men certainly aren't. Oh, 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 and if I may point out, and this is where I get really in trouble, some of you pull your boobs out to feed your children. Which is fine. Public, which we don't complain about. So as far as I'm concerned, it's all nudity all around as far as you know, I mean, the kids and the boobs. Let's just, just all take a quaalude and move on. <laughs> Well, some of us didn't have access to those, so we didn't know. I don't really know what a quaalude is. It was something that they used to eat and take in the 70s. I don't know. Oh, my God. You reveal your age. I didn't take any quaaludes. (laughs) I was four. If there's something that you guys like for us to concentrate on in season three, please let us know. Please write to us. There's so many ways, actually, through email. Facebook. We have a phone number now, for God's sake, because yeah. we got really old-fashioned. Write to us at hello at daddy squared, D-A-D-D-Y-S-Q-R dot com, or call us at 213-793-8939. Or, if you're a medium like Scott, please go ahead and send us a telepathic message as well. <laughs> 
That was really good. I, I feel like you should say, and if you return the Ginsu knives, no, no. If he can't handle that, you know, he can probably just terrorize your, your dead relatives. Don't send us uh, poopy diapers. No, but if you need the address of someone to whom to send poopy diapers, we will be happy to put them. <laughs> 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, Washington, D.C. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> Your entire bag of yeah. them. <laughs> Pack them up. Bye, guys. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and happy holidays. Happy New Year. If you're thinking about having kids, start your search at loveisfamily.com by ORM Fertility. For over 30 years, ORM Fertility has been at the forefront of fertility services, providing personalized care and helping all family types grow. ORM are honored to be a trusted resource for the gay community on their journey to parenthood and are now sharing all they know with you at loveisfamily.com. ORM's expert team gives gay parents-to-be all the information they need and guides them through their unique fertility journey, providing expertise, education, and support every step of the way. Over a thousand gay couples and singles from all over the world have started or grown their family with ORM's support and fertility and financial expertise. Find out more at loveisfamily.com. ORM Fertility's online resource for gay dads and LGBTQ plus family building. That is great.